0: What is up, everybody? This is Ryan with Scale Up Show. I have Lars Helgesen on today, who's the founder and CEO of Greenrope, which is a SaaS company providing niche CRM solutions. Really, really cool about Lars. Bootstrap from absolutely nothing, uh, found a way to make it, has dealt with adversity through his life to come out the other side and then just keep trucking. So the tale of perseverance that this man has is unparalleled. You're not going to want to miss this. Check it out. How do you grow like a VC-backed company without taking on investors? Do you want to create a lifestyle business, a performance business, or an empire? How do you scale to an exit without losing your freedom? Those are the questions, and this show is the answer. Welcome, everybody, to The Scaled Up Show. This is your host, Ryan Staley, and I have a very special guest with me today. I have Lars Helgeson, who is the author of the book CRM for Dummies. He's also founder and CEO of Green Rope. Uh, which, something really cool about Lars is he's built everything from scratch, used the savings from the Air Force, and 23 years later, he's still running and gunning with a software company that he bootstrapped. Lars, welcome, man. Happy to have you on the show.
1: Thanks for having me, Ryan. Really appreciate
0: being here. Yeah, no problem, man. <clears throat> um, so excited to get into your backstory, how things operate uh, over at Green Rope. And But before we do that, let's do a real quick revenue rundown. So where are you guys at in terms of the stage of the journey that you're at in terms of your AR? So we're about 2000000 million. Um, we've been
1: stable at about $2 million for the last few years. Um, I think COVID definitely uh, affected our business model, just in the sense that we lost a lot of customers who went out of business as a result. Um, and so we're changing our strategy a little bit, and we're focusing... Um, our energy on, on, we've always been focused on organic growth, but um, to find a way to kind of break that 2 million ceiling, uh, we're changing our strategy a little bit to go more
0: into a partner focused approach. Okay, excellent, man. So that that was gonna be my next question. What's your primary revenue growth go to market strategy um, that you're deploying right now?
1: So we are a CRM and marketing automation platform. Um, we, we do a lot more than that, but in our system, it's a it's a subscription-based model where companies will come to us and our, our yeah. pricing model is very simple. It's all based on the number of contacts. You get all access to all the features and, you know, the, as you scale up a larger business, you pay a little bit more. Um, but the idea is to, um, to, if we can scale and create more direct clients, companies that come to us directly for the use of the platform. And then also we launched a white label, private label um, partnership program where people can take our technology. And basically we become a wholesale provider of the technology and support services to them so that they can then take the technology under their brand and approach their niche with their own sales marketing and support uh, team. Then um, through that partnership, that's the other avenue of growth. So it's really it's a direct model and this partnership model at the same time. And um, you know and so in, in that way, we you know we make a lot less per user when we're going through our white label uh, partnership model. But the idea is to, to hopefully be a technology backbone so that those partners can then approach their niches, make a lot more revenue with the use of our technology, and then we can support
0: them and help
1: them in their growth.
0: Okay. Makes sense, man. So how, how large is your team?
1: We're not big. We're uh, 18 people. Um, so, you know, compared to some of the other ones out there that are funded and, you know, it's, it's, uh, it can be challenging, you know, to be small like that, um, to compete against large businesses, but we've got some really talented, um, very hardworking people on our team. And, um, you know, just not a, lot of, not a lot of BS when we need to get things done. We just, we get them done.
0: Yeah. Excellent. And then, and then obviously we talked at your, your bootstrap before. Uh, so we, we hit on that. So, um, so let's get into you how, kind of how things began, right? Because, um, you know, one of the things you mentioned is like, Hey, I, I started this off. I, I used this my own savings and I created something out of nothing. Uh, well, that was the general gist. Those weren't your exact words. Right. So walk us through that yeah. process. And then like, how did you How did you create enough momentum to overcome the lack of funding in in the early days?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's always hard, right? I mean, the the good news is when we started back in 2000, there wasn't a lot of competition in our space. And we started in email marketing back in those days. It was really just MailChimp and constant contact. And I started a company with a partner back then um, called Cooler Email that company went for about eight years. And then we realized that as as email marketing was becoming commoditized, that if we could come up with a different, more far-reaching type of of an approach, that we might create more value for our clients. And so we embarked on this journey to create a CRM. And rather than um, focusing on just on the sales aspect for that CRM, we really looked at the whole marketing mix, all the different things that go into like, you know, the you've got email, web, forms, you know, surveys, um, social, mobile, like all these things that that usually businesses have in different platforms. And bringing that data together really is is challenging, especially when you want to make it useful and usable and visible to the people that need to have it while also still maintaining the privacy and, and security issues with having all that data in one place. Um, it's a difficult thing to design and, and make work well. And so we've really endeavored to make that process as simple as possible. And um, and we really want to make it so that if when a company comes to us and we work with businesses, we work with governments, we work with nonprofits, but we want it so that when they come to us they're able to access the technology that they need in um, relatively short ramp and then add on the things that they need to make them to make their business run in a way that's that's simple that doesn't make them feel like, do I really want to tackle this, this giant thing? You know, so if you want to go beyond just say sales and email marketing and you want to start doing uh text messaging marketing, or if you want to do um, you want to integrate a learning management system or a survey system. all of, all these things that a lot of companies use or should use. Um, how do you make that easy for them, both from an implementation side so they know how to use it, but then also to have the data that's gathered by that usable by everybody else on the team? So you know if you've got a marketing person that's sending out emails and they want to build in survey responses, but the survey responses have to go to, say, a salesperson. How do you make that easy? so um so that's really our our goal and our our reason for why we exist is to is to really make that process an easy thing for for businesses so that they can uh, they can look at all those elements of how they do business every day, use one system for it all, and and set up the 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 ability to 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 connect all of that in one in one system.
0: Okay, that makes sense. So, I guess like in early on when you first started, like how long did it take you to, to turn a profit? Like when you just started, right To from building the product to turning a profit, like how many years did that take?
1: So the, the first one, it took a few years um, cooler email took a few years and um, you know, I was doing side work, you know, consulting work, helping other people start their businesses. Um, and that allowed me to, to survive. You know, I was eating mac and cheese for a few years and, and struggling, you know, I didn't, I didn't have anything to, to fall back on other than what I had saved coming out of the military. And so I had to, you know, live in a cheap apartment, eating cheap food and, you know, just figure out how to, how to make ends meet. Um, and so, you know, a lot of late nights and, and struggle, you know, I didn't have much of a social life, spent a lot of the a lot of those years um in front of my I still spend a lot of my years in front of a computer, but um, but especially back then, a lot of long days. Um, you know, because you have to you have to design it, you've got to build it, you've got to iterate on it, you've got to test it, things break, there's always bugs, you know. And so it's uh it was it was a few years of of real struggle and and I remember it was about about three years in, three or four years in, when I finally could say I don't need to do any of the consult- consulting work anymore. Now I can focus entirely on this on this business, and uh, and scale that up. So, yeah, it was definitely a, a challenge. But um, but you know, it, the alternative is working for someone else, and I just I just didn't want to do that.
0: Well, that was going to be my next question, ma'am, because it sounds like, and that was that was round one. So love live hear round two, or or when you transition, uh Green rope. Um, But like, I guess. So why did you do it? Right. Like what's what's the reason why you made all those are big sacrifices, right? Your social life, your time, your money. Um, Why did you decide to to take that route? In
1: my mind. So coming out of the Air Force, um, I was part of a giant machine. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it, I think the Air Force is literally the largest company in the world as far as like, actual money that, that goes into it. Um, and so the bureaucracy felt, um, to me, very stifling. I wanted to express um, my creativity and solve problems. I was an engineer. And I, when I saw problems that needed to be solved in an organization that big, it just takes a long time to do those things. It takes a long time to affect change. And I felt like if I could be out on my own, I could, I could affect change in a way that would be more efficient, faster, and in a way that I thought, and, and, you know, maybe this is my own ego saying that I can do things better, but I think that's what drives a lot of entrepreneurs. When we look at the situation, the world around us and think that here are all these people that are doing something one way. And I think there's a better way to do it. Now, at the time, when I got out of the military, I didn't know what I was going to do. I just knew that I wanted to work for myself. And so I kind of struggled trying to, you know, I was doing this, this side work and trying to figure out, well, what would be a great thing for me to to create that, some, that could actually be useful and, um, and, and create long-term sustainable value? And so that's when I stumbled upon sort of this email marketing idea and started working on it. And, you know, and then it was, you know, I still wasn't sure if it was going to be worth anything. People said, well, you can send email for free. Why would you, why would anyone pay you for email marketing? And so then you have to think, well, what can you offer that people would actually give you money for? And so that was, and, and that was the valuable lesson in realizing that is sometimes we hear people say to us, what you're doing is never going to work. What you're doing can already be done with this free tool. So as entrepreneurs, if we can think at sort of outside of that limiting box and say, all right, well, we can do something better than what's out there for free, we can provide some value. What what is that value, and what's a reasonable price for it? And and I think that's especially when you're talking about software and technology. There's a lot of open source that's that's kind of floating out there that you can use for for quote unquote free. Some people will trade their privacy and their you know information for access to those tools. But what can you what can you create to come to compete with what's already out there? And so that that kind of drove me to create cooler email which then evolved into green rope in a very similar fashion where we were thinking about okay so what could we do that would be valuable for an entire organization something that sales marketing customer service teams that they could all figure out how to share information with each other in a way that was meaningful that would help them grow their business and could we create enough value that people would actually want to pay us for it
0: now that makes sense man. and i can imagine like i we were acquired by our company and early on, and I went from a small company, maybe 150 people to company with, I don't know, maybe fortune 1000. And so, uh, yeah, the the bureaucracy is huge. And I can imagine in the military as well, uh, there's a lot, I don't want to say red tape, but basically just processes and procedures stacked on top of each other. They could be um, frustrating to deal with. So so now that you've gone through all this, you know, 20 years later, do you think you made the right decision with the route you took? Or, or now that you know what you know, would you take a different route?
1: Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, I've learned lessons over the years. There are things that I would do differently. Um, at, at the time I started my other company, um, I had a business partner who was very good at at what he did at, at business development. Um, but there were there were some ideological differences that we had, um, and eventually our directions kind of we just decided to go in different directions. And unfortunately, not having a clear separation in our working agreement made things very very difficult and expensive. Um, and so I would that's probably one of the big things. I think you know a lot of entrepreneurs start with somebody else because they feel like they don't have the complete tool set which is a reasonable thing. I mean, it's hard to know everything about running a business. From the technology to the operations side and sometimes we don't have enough money up front to be able to pay for those things and so we bring on equity partners and then when those equity partners decide that either they don't want to work anymore or they want to go do something else and they still want to hold on to that equity, what do you do as an entrepreneur? Do you allow basically that dead weight to stay with your company? And that's um that's a challenge. It's a real challenge. And so and, and, and it's one that I've heard repeated many times. And so I would say that's probably like from an equity perspective of in the startup phase of a, of a company, that lesson is really important um, to make sure that you have very clear non-performance, um, you know, exit clauses, things like that, um, that are that are just, they're hard to craft. They're hard to set up, you know, people... You don't wanna go into a marriage planning for a divorce, but when it comes into running a business, you have to, you have to do that. And um, lack of doing that is very expensive. Um, and especially if you get in business with
0: a lawyer, then you're- yeah. <laughs> I can see that being tough. So what, I guess like, what's been your, yeah, and I know you mentioned your, your shifting, we talked about your go-to-market a little bit in the licensing to, to break through that that 2 million barrier. What, what's the, the single biggest challenge that you've run into in terms of trying to grow faster?
1: Um, it, is, it is truly, it's access to capital. Um, you know, and that's, that's the big thing. When you choose to grow organically, you can only apply the capital that you have in your reserve that you can make. And I think that it's possible um, in some markets, especially if you're in an emerging market, um, when you're in a more mature market, that becomes more and more challenging as the market matures. And I think that's, that's what we've run into um, because some of our competitors are very well capitalized. They are able to outsource software development um, you know, to large development teams. They've got larger sales forces. They've got larger marketing budgets. And so for us to compete with them gets harder um, simply because, as the CRM and marketing automation market matures, there's just there's more competition. There's more, and so um, to rise above that competition, you can rely on sweat equity only to so much extent. You can you can, and so I would say that that is probably our biggest challenge: is um, our marketing budget just is not that big, um, and so. And we don't have all the resources that we can that we can throw at creating awareness. And so I would say that's that is our greatest challenge um, is it really does boil down to awareness. Um, because the rest of the funnel we have down to a science. We you know we use our own technology to manage our own business. And it, you know, we can see every step of the funnel where everybody goes, like, you know, all those things. But when you don't have enough money at the top to drive enough people into your funnel, then you have, you're, you're just limited in your, in your growth.
0: Yeah, no, I could see that, man. <clears throat> I can definitely see that because the CRM space is very, very mature. Um, so attention's at a premium for that. Uh, anything truly unique you are using to get attention then on, on a tight budget that you guys are doing as a company?
1: I don't know that we're doing anything really unique. I mean, that's part of the thing too. Is that um, you know, marketing, especially digital marketing and and marketing for software technology companies, is also just as mature as our as our technology. So, um, the things that we try to do is is find the the partners that that see our technology and understand the value that it brings and and provide a lot of value to that. So, in terms of what we do that's different, I think. The, the white label, the private labeling of our platform is something that's, um, that is, there are very few companies out there that do that. Um, and so we try to find ways to get to either the consultants or the agencies or the, and we also work with software companies that are looking to embed our technology inside of them. Um, so if there are, we try to find ways to approach those particular niches. Uh, whether that's through Google PPC, finding influencers, things like that, but you know, it's a it's a challenge. Like you said, on a on a small budget, um, there's only so much you can do. So yeah, uh, so that's that's
0: really our approach. Now that makes sense, man. So I guess moving forward, you know, like or uh, looking backwards as well, I, I think, like, what what would you say that that's like your unique ability as a leader, as a founder that that you think you do better than anybody else, right? Like, what's your your number one unique ability that you have?
1: I, I don't think that I don't think that I have a unique ability. I think that. Um, you know, I'm not especially i w- I wasn't gifted with a, a with a huge amount of money. I didn't have a trust fund. I'm not especially brilliant or intelligent, but um but I think i I work hard. And so I think that's the the one thing. i I, I kind of claim my ancestry. I'm Norwegian by descent. I' descended from farmers, you know, so um, I think it's it's a matter of I, I try to think of of things in as simple terms as possible. And I feel that if I, if I want to make something work, I work at it and I just, I keep working at it until I get it. And so I think it's that perseverance, um, that separates a lot of people from success and failure. Um, and so I, I, I believe, I don't know if it's a superpower per se, but I, I would say that it's a, um, it's dedication and, um, and that perseverance, and maybe it's fear of failure But um, I just just won't accept failure as an option. And so I will keep working at something. And if that means I need to pivot a little bit, if it means we need to to change some element of our business model or change some element of our software to be more competitive, um, then that's what we do.
0: Well, let me ask you this, too, because I've talked to a lot of, I don't know, over 100 different founders last year over the last 12 months. And it's been really eye-opening. And so I guess, like, so are there points where you doubt yourself? Absolutely. Yeah, every yeah. day. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. so let me I ask mean, you this, because this is one of the, the, I mean, being a CEO is lonely, right? Or an entrepreneur can be lonely at times, right? Because you're there's stuff that you can't talk to your, your spouse about, right? Well, you can talk to them about it, but they don't necessarily understand, right? If you, you have investors, you definitely can't talk to them about it. And there's stuff you can't talk to your employees about, right? Which is part of the reason why I, I, I do it, a SaaS CEO mastermind so that they connect with peers and understand each other. But I guess like, how do you, is there anything that you leverage or any tools you leverage to overcome that when you're, you're kind of questioning yourself or you're doubting what you're doing is the right thing, anything that you do um, that you find working particularly well?
1: That is a really good, what you brought up is a really good point. As an entrepreneur, it is very difficult to find the people that you can turn to, um, to, to be there to, to lean on. Um, you know, I mean, sometimes you, uh, you open yourself up to partners. Um, we had, I don't know, this is probably six, seven years ago, we had a, a company that we had been working with and I had spent a lot of time talking to their CEO um, about all these, you know the the you know what's the future of our technology, the future of our company, what would you do, et cetera. and um, we'd we'd been working with them for a good number of years. They were a big partner, and um, behind my back, he decided to go to um, a software development company and develop what he thought would be a competitive product um, using all the things that I had confided in him about. Um, as a As a way to get started so that he could create a competitive product, um, and that was hard. that was hard that because sucks. it's it's like you know, yeah. right. you open up and this was a partner. i for me to to have I didn't have the resources or the inclination to to create a lawsuit over something like that. And so all I could do was just sort of sit back and say, well, that's a lesson in who who I thought I could trust with all the information that I, of the questions that I had about my business. Um, and that's hard. It's hard when, when, as a, as a CEO, you're reminded that people will do things and say, it's just business. Um, things that are not, um, you know, things, things that I would never do to other people, but people will do to you because they're looking to get ahead and they'll do what they can to, to create benefit for themselves. And so, um, I try not to dwell on things like that, but but what you talk about is a is a very real problem to entrepreneurs and CEOs about about who you can turn to for support because there's a you know the world is full of examples of people that have had the rug pulled out from under them from people that they entrusted with valuable information or knowledge or money um, you know about about five years ago my best friend was my CFO. And, um, he admitted after we were going to catch him to embezzling money from my company, been friends with him for 20 years, you know? And so, you know, that's a, that's a hard one to take as a, as you know, on a personal level, not just on a business level. I mean, business, of course, it, it impacted us significantly, but that level of betrayal is hard. And so I think entrepreneurs over time will learn They're to be very careful about who they share that kind of information with their their innermost, their their fears and their strategies, their future, where they want to go. It's, um, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of a lot of landmines out there. And so knowing who you can trust with that information um, is a is a challenge. And I get reminded consistently that there are people that I thought I could trust that I can't. And so, I think most entrepreneurs learn to be a little bit more self-reliant. So you spend time reading books on things, watching, um, you know, listening to podcasts like this one, um, where you can learn from other people's mistakes, hopefully, um, and and try to um, you know make the make the right decisions when sometimes those right decisions just aren't they're not clear in front of you especially when you're in a smaller business and you only have so many resources and you just can't throw everything at everything and solve everything right away. And so I think that's a, that's a, that's a big challenge.
0: Yeah, I I would, it's, that's tough, man. I mean, um, yeah, it is, it is tough, right? You definitely got to be guarded. And and there's, I I mean, it sounds like you've had a bad run with, with some things. So. Uh, my heart goes out to you on that. <clears throat> um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it. I would say perseverance is definitely huge, man. If you run into things like that, that's that's been um absolutely critical. I guess to shift gears a little bit, you know, where do you see the future of tech going over the next three to five years?
1: Well, just to jump back on what you said, I think it, I think it's important not to become a victim either. You know, like everyone's yeah. going to have bad things happen. You know, so I think. The perseverance really is about saying, okay, so that took a hit. I can react and I can recover, and I will. I will move on and, and be stronger and better for it. So, um, but anyway, yeah. Going back to what you're saying about the the future of tech, I think, I think it a lot. So much depends on on emerging technologies. You know, what I mean, and and in which particular niches you you mean? Because in software, I feel like a lot of internet technology has become fairly, um, fairly mature. You know, I mean, there's, there's, you, you might f- see some differences in how things are done. Um, but I think given the amount of time that has, you know, and energy and resources that have gone into software, I don't, I don't know that we'll find anything so radically new, such as, you know, like the internet. I think, I think things like, um, you know, like the things that Elon Musk is so known for being the spearhead for, I mean, I know he's got a bad rap these days because of, you know, all the all the things. But, um, you know, it's the where we're going with technology now seems fairly mature in terms of, you know, like it's no longer is there something new that we can do with our browser? You know, is there because most of those things have been done. It's just a matter of iterating to make them better. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's really where the, at least in the near term, where technology is going. It's really all about usability, user experience, how do we make things streamlined? How do we automate things? So the more things we can automate and and take the human interaction out of, I think the more um, the more value you're going to bring to a business. because I think you know it's the capitalist model, and everything trends towards efficiency. So as you can create a more efficient system, whether that's through the use of software or other sorts of machines, robots, whatever, that's where technology is going to go, because economically, that's where it has to go to be competitive.
0: Yeah, totally makes sense, man. Well, unfortunately, we're up on time, but uh, it's been great having you on the show. Where can people find you? Where can they find out more about Green Rope? And then we'll wrap it up.
1: So, yeah, so we are greenrope.com. We also have completecrm.com, which is the site that we use to talk about our partnership um, portal. Um, And I'm on LinkedIn. So happy to connect with you there. I'm also on Twitter, Lars Ellison. Um, But um, so, yeah, connect with me in any of those ways. And I'd be happy to to talk to anyone about the technology and be a resource for uh, anyone who's interested.
0: Excellent. Well, Lars, I, I really appreciate having you on the show, man. And um, it was good just hearing your journey and all the ups and downs that you had on your way. And you're still fighting, man, you're still here. So yep. congrats on making it through and then you know, looking to take things to the next level. All right, thank you very much. I really appreciate being here. Thank you for checking out the Scale Up Show. My mission in life is to help founders and revenue leaders avoid all the pain and suffering